Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hey, everybody. Guess what? We have on the show my friend, my client, the great Megan Kierstead, with whom I am going to have the conversation that you've been waiting to hear, which is how to create a group program. You know, so many people are interested in creating a group program and pretty much like I want to sit the entire coach world down and tell them these things before they get started on group program creation. And Megan is nodding. And so, you know, this is going to be juicy. We have some really important insights to add to the conversation. We think you should know. And especially coming from the point of view of those who maybe don't operate in the neurotypical way, for whom the creative process might look a little bit different because you have an ADHD brain, for whom you know the idea of planning and executing something slightly over the longer term, that might be different for you than how it works for somebody who has a super neurotypical, like linear brain. We want to demystify program creation. We want to add some wacky ideas about how it could be done. And I think no better person to talk to for me about that than our guest, Megan. Welcome to the show. Who are you and why are you the perfect person to talk about this? So I am a neurodivergence brain love coach. Um, And I'm the perfect person to talk about this because as it turns out, I am launching a program three, four days from now. So I'm in the middle of this and I have seen the whole beautiful, miraculous process through and it's been really messy and it's been hard. It has been long, but man, is it fun. So I also, I'm a six figure coach. I think we'll have probably at least 15 people in the playground on launch, launch opening day. So I consider it a wide success. Wait, wait, wait. You haven't mentioned the part where you already sold seven spots. Oh, yeah. I think it might even be eight since I like another person messaged me since we last talked. So yeah. I, Just to lay it all on the table. How yeah. much is it? I think that would represent, that would be like around 10K. Yeah. Okay. So she has a 10K group program. It hasn't even opened yet. She has seven, possibly eight, because she just got a message before she got on this call. People already lined up and waiting to buy. So Megan, <laughs> we go way back. She started as one of my one-on-one clients like three years ago. And then she she went through the last round of the Sovereign Business Mastermind. And we kind of worked on this entire process of her like downloading the idea for this for this program together. And then we walk through her creating it together. And I want to share with all of you how it can be done in a way where you're not really like following the rules that other people say you should follow when you're not really going by the template and the expectations and the standards and the sequence that everybody assumes that you have to follow. So this is going to be so cool. So Megan, you said you're a what, what exactly do you call yourself a neuro? I don't know. I, I play with it. It's neurodivergence brain love coach. I focus mostly on ADHD and helping people create like the life and business that they really have always want, but didn't think was possible. Amazing. Okay. So do you remember, let's go, let's take you back to 
Do you remember when you first started to try to create a group program? I don't, I don't remember the exact details, but something was happening. And I was like, hold on, you got to pause and slow down. And like, you know, what was that? What was that about? So I did, I actually did a group this past fall that was meant to be like a cohort based thing. And it was called love the shit out of your neurodivergent brain. And didn't really know why I was doing it beyond the fact that I knew that like, yeah, there wasn't anything out there that felt like it taught people how to love their neurodivergence. But beyond that, I was like, eh, I'm going to do it, which of course, in my sales and marketing energy showed up because I was like, eh, I don't know what I'm doing. You guys should maybe join. And to be fair, people got value out of it, but I wasn't sold on it either, which I'm sure came out sales and marketing. Yeah, so I had no just, idea what I'm doing. Let's do, to be clear, you, you sold, you sold it. I and I sold like six spots. Yeah. Yeah. And people had a, people got amazing value out of it. They got amazing results out of it. I don't want you to downplay it. Cause I remember you yeah. like evaluating that and it wasn't, a, it was a great program, but it didn't sell to the extent that you wanted it to, and you didn't love it. And the extent that you could have just because why tell us. I didn't love it because it it felt like I was trying to do a program like everyone else does a program. I wanted to like have a curriculum that that week by week you filled out and it followed a logical progression and we only coached on those things. And and that just isn't me. I'm a wild, weird, wacky, glittery human being. So essentially it, it felt much more like a college academic course, I would say almost like I Which felt like a professor. Which everybody assumes a, a program, a coaching program has to be like. It has to be a college academic course with a syllabus and maybe even a reading list. You know, we. Oh, I had a reading list. Yeah. Oh, like, you had I, a literal. <laughs> I think I did. And I think I literally also, I definitely had links to like academic articles, which don't get me wrong. I probably will still include in the Black Sheep Playground, my, my current group. But like, it was very like buttoned up and, you know, going to teach you about the things. And one of the things I noticed was there wasn't a lot of like interaction between the people. There wasn't like a commute sense of community because I had created this hierarchy between like me and the people in it. Like they were like, I was teaching them and I've actually taught college courses. So it's on it, that it felt familiar, but I was like, this is not what I want. Like, and I want to, there's just- nothing about this that's, that is embracing neurodivergence in the structure of the course. Yeah. I just want to, chime in and say, it's not that doing things in the, in the style of a college course with a syllabus and reading list, it's not that that's bad, right. Or that, you know, people will hate it if you do that. Not at all. It's just, I think you, it, you had to do that first in order to realize, oh, Hey, like I did it this standard way. And now I think I might want to do things differently, right? Like yeah, you have to go through that experience. Do- yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do something that felt much more like me. Not to say I fucking love school. I I really like learning. You know, I I think one of the things we did in one-on-one coaching was actually like help me like become a professor and like teach a college course. So like, don't get me wrong. I love that. But there was a lot of like linearity and predictability and like knowing everything ahead of time. And I want for my group, especially since the whole point is to like love neurodivergence is to like have surprise and novelty and unconventionality and all of these beautiful values that weren't reflected in sort of how I was doing it. So it just didn't feel right. Do you remember, so correct me if I'm remembering the details wrong. Do you remember 
actually tell us first how the idea of the black. So, so you were there thinking, okay, I want to do things a little bit differently. And I think you were trying to figure out and outline the next thing. Yeah. Like kind of in a linear way. And what I mean by that is, so again, correct me where I'm misremembering, but it's like, okay, so I want to do things differently. Like you do a whole evaluation, this worked, that didn't work. I might want to do this differently. And then you were going about designing the next program, still using your linear mind, meaning like, okay, so I'm going to go in and fix this. And here's a logical progression of how it's going to be different. It's going to be like this. And you were just so like in figure it out mode right away. A hundred percent. I was trying to essentially sit there and like go through in a like very like researcher kind of focus of being like, why weren't people engaged? What, what, how many people looked at this resource? And, and, and it, it didn't, it certainly didn't spark joy. <laughs> right. And it, it, it felt like you were doing the right thing, quote unquote, right? It felt like exactly what you should do is to go into this figured out analytical mode to design your next program. And it, how you know, by the way, you, you guys, you keep hearing us talking about the linear way and how you know you're engaged in linear thinking and linear problem solving, which again, isn't bad. It's just one of many ways to do things, right? How you know you're doing the linear thing is when you are in the mode of analysis and figuring it out. When you're like, I'm going to figure this out by thinking about it. I'm going to, I'm going to analyze it so I can have more insight into it. Again, it's not bad. It's just one way of doing things. So I think that's when I was like, Hmm, I see Meg. This is, this is all happening in the mastermind, by the way. I see Meg trying to figure this out, trying to create her next program. And the way she's like talking about it, the way she's going about it, I don't, I'm not sensing that she's feeling joyful in her soul, right? So, as a business coach, I'm always, when I look at my clients, they're talking about their offers, they're talking about their pricing, they're talking about their marketing and sales, whatever. I like barely listen to the contents of what they're talking about. What I'm really listening for is how is that person feeling right now? What is like the unconscious messaging that they're giving me right now beyond their words? Like what emotion, what energy am I reading from what they're saying? And in looking at what Meg was doing at the time, Everything she said was so smart. It was all perfect. But when I read her energy, it wasn't like this vibrant, alive, sparkly energy, which Meg is a vibrant, alive, sparkly person. So I was like, there is a disconnect here. And so do you remember what I advised you next? I remember in particular, there was a moment, um, this is an important story because I think one of the things to realize is that like inspiration comes from many, many places and, and to keep an open mind as you're building this about like, what, what are the things that you're going to want to include? I was working with actually KJ, KJ Sassy Pants. Who's been on the podcast, friend of the show. So fabulous. We, we talked about how exactly that in the bones of my, my structure is this like hummingbird, you know, sparkly energy. And I was shaming myself around it because as it turns out, that's one of the things society really shits on us for is like not conforming to like sticking to one career, choosing a major, going down one path and that's choosing a not- niche, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I had so much niche stuff <laughs> for exactly that reason. So like one of the things we worked on there was that. And then I remember coming back to the mastermind for exactly what you told me, but I was it essentially being my, be myself. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. I was like, stop trying to figure it out. 
Yeah. I, I want you to like, like stop me. using your mind to try to figure it out. And I want you to just step back and like relax and stop thinking about it and wait for it to come. I remember telling, do you remember me telling you that? Is yes. That- yes. I do remember that now, especially because like two days later when I had coached myself on it about waiting and like got found peace, suddenly it came to me. Like it was hilarious. It yeah, was like, like when you stop chasing, day. when you stop trying to figure it out, it comes to you. Yeah. I, I, I sat there. I was like, I'm going to let this take as long as it's going to take. I'm not going to like push this. I'm not going to force myself to do this on a time frame. And then literally the next day I was like, crap, I know exactly what we're doing or not exactly what we're doing. I, I felt the joy. I felt the spark. So by surrendering, that's really when I found what was next. Yeah. Because I remember when you were still trying to figure it out analytically, it was so, here's another symptom is that when you try to figure something out analytically, there's like a million questions you have to answer and a million problems you have to solve, such as like, wait, what exactly is my positioning with this offer? Who exactly is my ideal client? What are their exact problems? And what are my exact solutions? And what's my five-step process? And it's just, when you try to figure it out linearly, there's you figure have to figure out all of these things, right? And it might look totally airtight, beautiful, logical, perfect on the outside, but then missing that sparkly, vibrant quality that is part of who you are. And so just I I, I do remember this exchange that we had in um in the mastermind Facebook group where you were having this epiphany. I was like, wait, so my plan for this is I'm just gonna like sit back and be myself. And I was like, yes, that's your plan. And I think at that point, like you had worked with me enough to be like, all right, I got it. I know how to do that. As opposed to, I think for some people for whom this is, they're new to these ideas are going to be like, wait, what does that mean? Sit back and be myself. I don't understand. Right. But you, you got it because you, you get it. And then you went right to work. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit back and be myself. And then as soon as you surrender, I love that you use the word surrender. And I love that word and that whole idea. And I think some people, it just makes them a little squidgy, like surrender. That makes me feel like I'm losing control. And so I want to offer this idea that what surrender really means, what we really mean by that is actually a very proactive process of trusting unconditionally, right? So it's not like I'm going to sit back and surrender and like, like just see what happens. It's very proactive choice that you make over and over and over to trust, to trust your creativity, to trust yourself, to trust the the spirit of your business and to trust the partnership between yourself and the spirit of your business and trusting the genius of the soup of your unconscious mind, right? So it's not surrender, sit back. It's that very active process. Would you agree? 100%, especially because, I mean, we even have evidence why this is necessary from like cognitive science, it actually takes time for the like neurons in your brain to rewire and connect. And particularly when you're connecting novel ideas, you actually like need to sleep, you need to rest. So actually like literally giving ideas time to marinate in your head is necessary. I almost think of it like making some sort of that like needs to sit on the uh, stove for a long period of time. It, It just won't be ready. Until it's ready, I I get hot and bothered when you talk science to me, and also I love that it's like the the soup metaphor is perfect because whenever I make soup or stew, I'm always so impatient. I want to eat the whole thing that 
very day. But I'm always like amazed by how much better everything is the next day and even better better than day after, especially if it's like stew with like meat. And it really like the only ingredient that you added is time. And everything had a chance to kind of fall apart and like cohere together. And I think that's something that we are so loath to do. It's not something that we're taught to do, how to sit back and add the ingredient of time. And in that process, like I'm not doing anything. How could this be productive? But know that it's just because you're not efforting something, it doesn't mean you're not doing anything. Your unconscious mind, like you're, I mean, that even makes it sound a little bit like mystical, which it totally is not. It's like literally brain science, right? When you're quote unquote doing nothing, your neurons are firing, they're busy integrating, creating new neural networks in order to create new knowledge, in order to make the stoop. I just combined the word stew and soup, soup and called it stoop. Stoop. <laughs> to stoop. Make the stoop make more stoop. delicious. <laughs> So this is another way you deviate from that linear programming supremacy is that, you know what, my action strategy for creating this is going to be fucking doing nothing and thinking about nothing and sitting back and relaxing and just doing what makes me happy for a week. Because like, guess what? Newsflash, that's not doing nothing. It's it. That's the, that's when you're adding that critical active ingredient of time and you do nothing and the soup magically gets so much better than if you imagine instead of like letting the soup sit, you just kept adding shit to it. It's like, Hmm, it's not as good as it could be. I'm just going to add more salt. I'm going to add more oregano. I'm going to add more vegetables and you just keep adding shit. It's going to taste like shit. It would have, it would taste so much better if you would just step back and go play the guitar and then come back. Right. <laughs> oh, it'd be so much better. Yeah. 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 Cause I've over, I, I cook a lot. I have definitely done that. And then you're like, well, there's no coming back from that. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, people ask me a lot how I created joyful marketing, what my process was like. And it was literally just sitting, doing nothing and waiting for my mind to digest what I already know, to integrate, to like ferment and like just having absolute faith in that. And, and the idea that something's going to emerge, like I'm going to, there's going to be a download that comes when the soup is ready. Right. You know what? I'm going to bring in the analogy of kimchi, which is like my people's food. You make kimchi, you eat it right away. It's going to taste like shit. You keep adding to it. It's going to taste like shit. You make the kimchi and then you step away. And unlike soup, sometimes you let the kimchi sit for like a month or several months before it's just the right amount of fermented to eat. So my actually is a perfect metaphor. My process of creating joyful marketing, it took me like more than six months. And most of it, I wasn't creating. I was letting the kimchi ferment. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. I don't know. I don't know if mine would be like wine or soy sauce. Um, yeah, but like, those are yeah, also we were metaphors. Yeah, because I remember. Oh, che- yes. Cheese is mine. Okay. Cheese is what I would be fermenting. <laughs> um, but I originally planned on essentially like in my year strategy, I plan on, I think, launching the rigor bit again in December. Right now we're talking, it is, I am going to open the doors on April 1st. So one of the things I had to really coach myself on was like letting 
it take the time it really needed to take. And that unsurprisingly brought up a bunch of shit. It brought up money, money yep. shit. It brought up, you know, you don't know what you're doing. This is never mm-hmm. going to work. All of the things. Time is also a really interesting thought finder because it gives you time to figure out all of the stuff that you're going to need to coach yourself. That is fucking gold. I just need to pause right there. I wish I could like, I don't know. I wish I could plaster that everywhere. Time is an incredible thought finder. You want to know what's in your brain? Give yourself a stretch of empty time and it's going to show you all the thoughts that were just like lurking under the surface that you were not looking at because you were distracting yourself being busy. Now you got to look at it. Such an amazing insight. Yeah, I think I didn't start actually like putting the bone, like literally having stuff to exist in the playground until maybe a month ago. Doesn't mean I wasn't thinking about it a lot. Doesn't mean I wasn't coming up with amazing ideas. But like in terms of like actually putting pen to paper and planning shit and putting content in there and choosing a platform, I did it maybe a month before. (laughs) So like five months was fermenting. Five months was coming up with all of the ideas and letting them simmer and letting them taste more delicious. And you sitting down and trying to figure it out and analyze it and coach yourself into getting it is like taking the kimchi that's supposed to be fermenting and adding more ingredients to it and ruining it. So stop doing that. (laughs) My my process of creating joyful marketing was exactly the same. It was like months and months of just fermentation. And like Meg said, let's not sugarcoat it. That whole time is not like pleasant. It's not like you peacefully taking naps on the hammock and like, you know, gleefully enjoying a novel. Like a lot of it, like I was miserable because I was also constantly battling the thoughts of like, this is never going to work. I don't see the light at the, at the end of a tunnel. Like it's been four months and I ha- still haven't figured this out. And your brain is going to feed you all this shit. That is part of the fermentation. You have to allow for that to happen and you have to pass through it in order to get to the good shit on the other side. Yeah. December, which is when I was theoretically supposed to launch was my lowest revenue month, I think to date in my business. And I had to coach myself through that because guess what? I had thoughts about it and I had thoughts that, you know, I wasn't going to succeed and I needed to do this now. And you had upcoming investments. Oh yes. Very much so. (laughs) Yes. I had to pay for the mastermind. Um, I had to re-up with my coaches. So yeah, I, really had to sit there with the discomfort that like, nope, I am going to let this take as much time as it needs. And I will know when I'm ready. And when I'm ready, I'm going to set a date. For somebody that might be wondering, what do you think is the difference? If there is a difference, I mean, you tell me, difference uh, between like that proactive, like fruitful, like sort of mode of trusting and releasing and letting be versus like how, like somebody might ask, how do I know if I'm not just like checked out? What's the difference? What would you say? I think it's if you're letting, I mean, it's the same answer that we have a lot of times of coaching, which is letting yourself actually feel the feelings and like confront Mm. the thoughts that come up during the time. So like the thoughts that time finds for you, you have to engage with those thoughts. If you avoid those thoughts, that's the checking out because those thoughts are the things that are going to generate all the brilliance. Oh my gosh. I That's brilliant. I could not have said it better. So good. Okay. I want to make sure I cover this part because it's doors are opening when? In a few days? Yeah. April 1st. So, yeah, so- Tuesday, It's so it's Friday. So By the time you listen to this episode, it's probably already going to be opened. But so it's going to open in a few days and 
it's part of parts of it are just like, like, what's the word? I don't want to say like not dumb, but like open. Oh yeah. It's how would you say it? I would say embracing, embracing the open-endedness and novelty of being someone who has an ADHD brain. That's not the concise way to say it, but like I have intentionally not figured everything out because I want the entire structure of the program to be at least partially based on like surprise and novelty and living in the moment, which guess what? That's part of having a a brain like this. So like it felt really uncomfortable, but very subversive to be like, I'm intentionally not going to know everything that's going to go in here. I also am intentionally going to change things occasionally. I'm going to intentionally not have all the answers because guess what? That's what an ADHD brain loves and craves. Novelty. Tell me some of the things that in your, like, I got to turn this into like a college syllabus kind of brain, like what you might've tried to figure out that you're intentionally not figuring out. Like what are some of the things? Yeah. So one of the biggest examples that, that has been something I've really had to work on is like how to organize things and what to cover in, in the modules versus like the monthly challenges and stuff. And like, at the end of the day, I want to give people the tools they need to like thrive with the brain they have and learn how to love their brain. So I have intentionally not included a hundred percent of everything I know about it because mm. that would be too much. One of the, one of the reasons ADHD brains don't do things is because they get overwhelmed. So we're going to be like teaching different concepts over time, depending on sort of what people want and need. And so there isn't like in certain curriculums, like you'd have all the modules generated ahead of time. I have some, but we're going to add to it. And we're going to add to it based on the monthly themes that I'm doing that are meant to spark novelty and creativity. So we're essentially building the curriculum together as we go along, which I think is really fun. How exciting is that? I mean, that's so, so subversive. Like, I think that oftentimes coaches, when they create create group programs, they think that the curriculum that they create, like the modules that, that they create, that is what sells the program. Like, but what else am I going to tell people they're getting? Right. So in the absence of that, where you're like, well, part of it, part of it is that it's undecided on purpose and we're going to figure it out together. But what would you say to somebody who, who asks, if I don't know exactly what modules and exactly what content and exactly what problems, you know, problems and solutions I'm selling, then what am I selling? What would you tell them? You're selling you, you're selling your energy. It's the, it's the joyful marketing approach. In fact, I remember buying joyful marketing and having no idea what you were going to teach in it. I assumed there was something about marketing and joy, but you could have been like selling me, I don't know, candles or like how to breed fruit. And I would have probably still bought it because I knew I wanted to work with you. I was the first in the door guys, not to brag. So I knew because I wanted to work with you. So my job in my marketing in what I'm selling is like talking about what it's like to really embrace your neurodivergence and, and how that shows up for me and just being me to the max. And as it turns out, that's what sells (laughs) being me to the max. I think that when we say like what, what people buy is you and your energy, I think people can misinterpret that a couple of ways. I think people misinterpret that one to mean that it's about like you selling an image of yourself or like a cult of personality. You just shook your head really 
shook your head really hard. What did you just think? Yeah, I totally agree. It's not that at all. It is your unique form of genius and communicating with the world. Yes, that's it. It's not that you're selling your personal like energy, like you're giving it away. It's not that people are coming to worship you. It's not that. It's they're coming for that. You just said it perfectly. I can't say it better. Your unique genius that is encapsulated in the way that you show up and the way that you communicate. So that's what I really want you to know. And like, that's often something, no, not often. It's a hundred percent of the time, something that you can't distill to a little elevator pitch, a little, I help statement. Right. And the easiest way I can describe that is by saying, like, if you wanted to find the love of your life and you had an online dating profile, like it's like saying, it's like expecting the totality of the magic of the person that you are to be captured in like an online dating profile, like little description, right? If you, if somebody thought they could do that for you, I would be insulted on your behalf because there is no way you as a person, as a human being are reducible to like a little, like, you know, pithy little sentence or two, right? And so when it's the right connection, when it's the right chemistry, people don't need to read the perfect words. They connect and the exact same thing happens with marketing. They think that just because you're putting your, your unis, your energy forward, it means that you're not offering solutions to problems anymore. And that is also not true. You also just shook your head really hard. So tell me. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's interesting is particularly if you go and look at my marketing, I talk about a lot of different things, but I am offering a shit ton of value. Everything that comes out of my mouth is meant to be valuable and and really meant to give people practical solutions to the so practical what, problems they have. Exactly, but and they're I very don't have, they're, they're very specific and concrete and practical, and you give tons of it all the time. People are always getting practical solutions from practical problems when you show up with your unique brilliance and energy, and when they are buying that. So. And you couldn't, you probably, there is, I tried vainly for like a year and a half and I made a lot of money before that, but like to bottle that into like a bullet point or a sentence. And the reality is all of the different things that I give value on can't actually be represented in like a single bullet point. They just can't, but that doesn't mean what I'm offering isn't incredibly practical, actionable, valuable. It just doesn't have a pretty box that you can like put it in and then tie it up. And that makes sense because my brain isn't something you can like put in a box and tie up and, you know, give it a couple of labels. No one's brain is. So part of that is really embracing the fact that you can teach people a bunch of different things. You can give so much value without, without dulling it by forcing it in, to constrain to a particular thing. You know, I think that when you show up with your authenticity and your energy and your clarity, like the clarity of your energy, right? I think that people fill in the gaps of the problem solution and the I help statement for themselves, right? Like I could have 10 people who like, you know, follow me and they love me. They want to buy from me on social media. And I would ask them like, hey, what problem do I help you solve? Every single person will tell me something totally different, right? One people will tell one person will tell me, you help me, you know, feel like I can do things with an ADHD brain. Another person will tell me, like, 
you help to solve my copywriting problem. And another person will say, you know, it's, it's like another person will say, you know, I've, I just needed to see an Asian American role model who's successful. And like, you make me feel like me being an Asian person can do things like that's not part of my like positioning. It's just part of who I am. Right. Oh, that's so true. Oh yeah. That's, that's, Haven't that's you a had really stuff good way like that happen. Oh, hundred percent. Like, especially if I look at across my clients, there isn't like a clear, like, tech professionals or entrepreneurs or anything. Like I work with someone who's like a death care entrepreneur. I work with an artist and like, they're going to come to me and say like, I work with you to learn how to make money and like show up out in the world. Another one would be, I learn how to get past the things that are blocking me from actually taking steps in my business. All different, but very much because I am who I am. And I talk about the things that I talk about. Exactly. It's so funny. Yesterday, I just had a little convo on Instagram with a permanent makeup artist who like loves me because they're like, you taught me how to do, how to do business with an ADHD brain as a permanent makeup artist. And I was like, whoa, that is not something that I was trying to make happen, but very cool that it's happening. Right. And so just people will fill in the gaps, right? You know, and and some people follow me, they don't even have an interest in business. And they're just like, like, I love the way you speak about like capitalism and you just make me feel like whatever. And so all of this you enable when you believe that who you are is enough and that what you have in your brain is really high value and people want it and people will be helped by it. Like those are the only beliefs you need when you don't believe that. And you're like, I need a niche and I help statement and a problem solution. I need to be able to articulate all of that perfectly before people will buy is that when you believe that what you're doing is you are hiding yourself from people. You are kind of like cutting off your own energy from reaching people because you are using that almost like as a mask to hide behind. Right. So you think all that shit you figured out is going to help you like, Oh, I have the world's most, you know, crisp, catchy, I help sentence like that is, you know what, the world's best I help sentence, the world's cleverest problem pair, problem solution pair is not as powerful as who you are, who you are just as a human being showing up powerfully. I mean, if we look at my story, the reality is essentially I did that the first time, the first go around, I did the like crisp, I can, I mean, you know, I, I had some, some doubts, but like, could tell you what you were going to learn. I could tell you what you were going to teach. I was going to, you know, exactly what was in the curriculum. And man, it is not as powerful, even in the same universe as what we're doing with the Black Sheep Playground. Like, and it's because I just surrendered to the magic of like, I'm going to talk about the things I want to talk about and share the things I want to share and call in all the people who are aligned with, with that. Like my people are going to come into the room and like, love to learn everything that I share with them, no matter what it is. Yeah. And, you know, recently I pulled the plug on the next launch of the Sovereign Business Mastermind. And instead I offered what became, well, we started just calling it the mystery room because nobody knew what it was going to be, including me. And I, by the way, I still don't know what it's going to be. And, you know, Lots and lots of people bought. People, many, many, many people paid me $20,000 to be in a thing where they had no idea what was going to happen. And judging by the, the way people responded to the application questions, you know, everyone had an extremely specific reason they wanted to be there. 
meaning everyone had an extremely specific question that they wanted answered, problem that they wanted solved, specific area where they wanted to create more growth and clarity. You have to trust your people to be smart and thoughtful. And you have- Yes, so good. Because that's something that I've really struggled with because I, I, I was like- how much do I trust them to go through this? And like, how much guidance do I provide? How much freedom do I provide? In the moment where I was like, I'm going to trust my people to get what they came for and get what they need and ask for help when they need help. Like everything just became so easy and it just became so obvious because if you don't trust them, they, then you are taking them down a path, not letting them find their own path. hundred percent. And when you trust them, what you're also doing at the same time is you're speaking to your highest client concept. And therefore, you are automatically, energetically filtering for the highest caliber of, of clients who are going to do amazing work, have a great time, and get, get great results without you like hand-holding them every step of the way. One thing, one thing I can talk about is I started selling it way before I had any idea what was going to be in the container. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so important because people, oh, this actually, it makes me so like angry just because of like, I just see the waste of energy is when people wait to sell until they have the program figured out. Tell us why this is the worst idea in the universe. Well, it takes some time to figure out how to talk about what you're doing in like z- Tap into the energy and 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 really, you know, connect with the spirit of your program. Maybe that's an additional concept. Now, the spirit of your program. It takes yeah. time to do that, which means it's a learning process, and you need to iterate and get better at it. Like you need to do anything else. Anytime you're doing something new, doing something new, so you get to do that for a longer period of time, and you start generating excitement so that people are start not start knocking down the doors. People are early on getting sold on why this is something that, that they want. And you, that it feels like a collaboration process. Like truly it's like this energetic feedback loop where you start seeing people getting excited and that gets you excited. You start learning from them and they start asking questions and then that becomes how you actually build the program. I couldn't have said it better. The first thing is that, like you said, it, you know, saying that, okay, when I have my program all ready to go, I'm going to start talking about it is like saying, I'm going to run a 10K race and I'm going to start training on the day of the 10K race. Like that, no, 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 no. If you want to do well that day, you want to start training now. Like, you know, the best day was yesterday. Second best day is today, right? And so you need that. What do you call that? Like a runway? Is that the... Yeah. 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 yeah you need that runway. You need to start like warming yourself up and teaching yourself, iterating how to talk about this with your people. That is a process. You have to give yourself time. And just to echo what you, the other thing you said, which is people, you know, I, I, I cite this research a lot. People need to see something like, actually, I don't know exact what the exact numbers are, but people need to see the That's same thing, like <laughs> dozens of times to even like have it register in their consciousness because everybody's so distracted so first of all, you need to see something a ton of times, even for it to just register in your consciousness as something that you know about, let alone like be interested in buying. And then once you know that it exists, the offer has to be put in front of your face like 16 times before you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy it. A, a question that I often get is, 
how do you know what to talk about? How do you know how to invite them into the container when you don't know fully what it's going to be when things are not decided? So how would you answer that question? Like, how do you start marketing and selling something that you haven't fully fleshed out? You share your genius. You, you write it. It's exactly like the, the creation process where you're actually building it. The marketing is the same thing. It's like, start sharing the things that light you up and, and that feel really juicy and aligned and push you and challenge you. Those are the ones that, that I love sharing and trust that, that the ones that feel most aligned with the program that will come to be are going to be the ones that, that you keep talking about. So I think if you go back and look at my marketing, I probably talked more about I don't know if it was more broadly, but I started getting really specific over time. And that's because I played around with a lot of different ideas and and put a lot of different things out there to see what felt like it belonged in the playground and what didn't. So I think I absolutely agree. And I think, oh, another way I would put that is that when you sell the program, when you're selling the actual program, you're not selling the program, you're selling you. You're still selling, just selling you. And you're just giving people an opportunity to buy a part of your genius, right? And so before the program is done, what are you selling? You're selling you. When the program is done, what are you selling? You're selling you. So actually the constant that you are always marketing and selling is your genius and your authenticity. And when the program opens for enrollment, all that's happening is you're telling people, hey, here's a place where you can put your money to gain even greater access to this genius, right? So you know that like on the day the doors open, you get to be in there and get exposed to all that delicious energy ASAP because being there on day one is pretty magical. I will say that. Yeah. I love the times when I've like prepaid for things and then like got to go through the door and see like what's inside. Because if you get something right away, it's it's less magical than like being o- able to open a present. Yeah, There's it's like different- looking forward to your like a Christmas present for a week. Yeah. yeah. I actually wrote about this um yesterday with an example with a client. Like waiting is delicious. Like waiting is, you know, like sexy anticipation. And when you only let people in when you only let people know or let people buy on the day that it's open, then you're depriving your people of that delicious delight and anticipation of uh, like paying in advance. And you know what else? I'm, I would even go as far as to say you get the transformation in advance when you know you're going to buy something or when you've already prepaid the whatever, like the energy of the thing that you're buying has already been activated in you. Right. So when somebody gets the idea four months in advance, Oh, you know what? That person's doing a thing. I'm pretty sure I want to, I want to be in there. The magic of your offer has already become activated in that person's life. So that's why even like the moment, you know, you're going to create something, you don't even have to know what it's fucking called. You don't have to know anything, but if you know that whatever you sell, you're only selling one thing, which is your genius, and you keep showing up in your genius, you keep showing up in your authenticity, the person who's like, I don't even care what you're buying, but if you're doing something cool, I'm pretty sure I want to be there. And they're going to get excited and that alchemy is going to start for them. And so you want to start that as soon as possible. I mean, obviously, caveat, there will be times when you are cooking something up and you want to keep it on the DL on purpose to protect the nature of the thing. Cause you, you kind of want it, let it percolate just in your own brain. Like, have you ever had that Meg? 
So yes, I have like, I wasn't ready for a few months to even, I knew the black stream play Brian was going to get exist. I knew it was going to be this sort of experimental subversive structure, but I wasn't ready to talk about it yet. I was still ready to market though. Like I was ready to market me as a human. And that was what I was doing in the meantime. It's just, I wasn't marketing that particular program. Yeah. It was marinating in the background. It was like, it was on the stove and I had like cookies to sell and I was going out and selling those cookies, which of course ends up selling your program, but it, it wasn't ready because I wasn't ready to experiment yet. Like I wasn't ready to start start testing the ideas because I needed to coach myself on all that stuff we talked about earlier about like money and yeah. What am I going to talk about? There are times when you want to keep ideas to yourself. You, there are times when you even want to keep your own genius to yourself when that feels like the thing to do to honor it, which is very different from holding back from offering your genius, holding back from making offers, holding back from talking about your program because you have the, this thought like, oh, it's not ready until like, that's like a, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I really cultivated as a thought early on was the Black Sheep Playground is going to help so many people. And that was the thing I always came back to. And I knew that if I believed that, and if I kept believing that I would show up and sell it when it was ready to be sold, because if it's going to help so many people, of course, I'm going to sell it when it's ready. So that was the thing that like, if I checked in with that and I felt like I was still believing that that was a sign that the reason I wasn't marketing yet was not because of like fear. It was because, you know, it was just marinating. It was on the stove. This is such goal. Like this is literally everything you're saying is like a masterclass in selling energetically and authentically. And I hope that you, dear listener, are going to really, really take this seriously and to re- take notes and revisit these lessons when you are selling actually any offer, even if it's not a group program. The last thing that I want to add, and I'll give you a chance to add anything that you think you missed, is I'm going to give everyone the answer to how I would respond if you ask me whether your group program is can sell or whether I think you're ready for it, right? Because I get this kind of question all the time. How do I know if I'm ready to do a group program? Do I have to do blah, blah, blah before I offer a group program? And there are lots of things that people think matter. But if you are being personally coached by me, this is how I would give you the answer. This is, this is my process. I would listen to you talk about it. And I would listen for whether you are in this confident, clear alignment with the energy of the thing that you're offering. So this isn't like, you know, this is a little bit of a subtle energetic thing, but as you're talking about your offer, once again, I'm probably not super listening to the details, but I'm listening for that unconscious communication. I'm listening for that, that alignment, that clarity, right? Do you have that clarity? Do you have that certainty? Do you have that energy? Like, for example, if I'm talking to Megan, she's talking about like ADHD playground for, you know, neurodivergent people, like, and it's very like sparkly. Like, do you have the sparkle when you're talking about the sparkly thing? Like, in other words, what is your relationship to the offer that you're talking about? I'm going to listen for that. I'm going to feel for that. I'm going to look at your body language and see where that is. And then that part of what that tells me is when people get excited about offer ideas and they're like, I had this idea for a program. I think it could really sell. And they're in this very positive, excited energy about it. 
because I've been doing this a long time, the next thing you're going to look for is whether that like positive, excited alignment energy is failure proof or if it's not. What I mean by that is a lot of people get excited when they think their idea is going to succeed. When they think this is a great idea, people are going to love it. I'm going to make money. I'm going to be so happy, right? There's a difference between that quality and I love this idea. This is the perfect idea for me. And even if nobody loves it, even if nobody buys it for a while and I keep failing at selling it, this is worth me championing. I'm going to like go to my grave trying to figure figure out how to sell this if necessary, because that's how much I believe in it, right? So one is an excitement about success and the other is excitement that is you know, paired with a deep conviction and a kind of gritty, resilient belief in what you're often in what you're selling. Oftentimes when people come to me with group group offer, you know, membership ideas, their excitement is the latter, meaning if they were to have a launch and zero person would sign up, it would be a flop, they would instantly go into doubting the offer. When I see that, I'm like, I don't think you're ready for it. Because when you're truly ready for it is when you're ready to fail, when you're ready to be disappointed, when you're ready for your offer to meet the world and have nobody validate it by giving you money. And you're okay because you're you've already validated it first. Right. That's when I'm like, you know what? I think this is a great offer. I think you should go for it. Cause that's how I know they're primed to succeed. What are your thoughts? I I literally experienced that energy and I, I found the post that I made of the mastermind. It was like the beginning of November. And I essentially said something along the lines of, I have no fucking clue what this is going to be. I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's going to be terrifying, but like, this is something the world needs and I'm going to do it. And like, that was the energy I showed up with. And guess what? I did have to do some experiments. I entirely forgot. There was a very brief period in December where I tried to sell it as a completely different thing and it wasn't ready. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go figure it out because as it turns out, the conviction, I think I said something like, I feel it in my bones that this is something the world needs. And like, I get to do the thing where I entirely like reinvent business models and coaching and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I was like, I'm in for it. Don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to do it. And that was the energy I showed up with. It wasn't excitement even. It was more like, it was a deep in the soul bones conviction that this is the thing that I am meant to do. Yes. Perfect. I think that's why I am. I sell so much of my offers too, is because I only sell things when I have that bone deep conviction. And if I don't have it, I, I work, I let things marinate. I, you know, I wait until I have it and it's worth it because that having that is the key to like all of sales, I think. Right. I don't think I know. (laughs) And and the beautiful thing is because once again, it's a benevolent bait and switch, which is one of my favorite terms ever is like, it also allows you to build such trust with yourself and with your business and you as someone who's creating something, because if you have that deep conviction, you know that you're going to be in it for the long haul. It's not like a flash in the pan. And especially, especially to ADHD brains. And we have all these stories that like, we don't follow through. We don't Mm -hmm. finish things. So the idea that you can do that when you are aligned with something at a bone deep level, like just entirely 
abolishes ideas that you aren't someone who follows through. And that's because of that, like, oh, I know this is something the world needs. 100%. And, you know, so many people ask me, can I start a group program if I haven't booked out my one-on-one coaching practice? Can I, is this good timing for this and that? And like, I literally, I don't care about any of those things, but oftentimes what does happen is that people, they are unable to fill their one-on-one practices and they want to start a group because they think it'll make it easier to sell. They think, oh, it'll be more fun. It'll be easier to sell. So then what that tells me is that what's what's swaying you? Like, I know you believe in your program. I know, know you believe in this offer. I know you think it's going to be great, but you're chasing success. Like you're chasing the ease of selling rather than operating from this bone deep conviction, as you said, of this is so, this needs to exist in the world so badly that even if it's the hardest thing in the world to sell, it's worth it. I'm going to figure it out no matter what it takes. Like if you have that, I know you're going to succeed. I don't care about anything else. I don't care what you've already done or I don't care what my mouse, I don't fucking care. Right. And if you don't have that, it's not a problem. When you don't have that, all that means is that you're on your way to arriving at bone deep conviction about whatever it's going it's going to be, right? You have to tell, I'd love to know your take on this, Meg. Like, I feel like the bone deep conviction is something that you have to earn. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think I mentioned this already. Like, I spent like a good year and a half, give or take, you know, kind of going back and forth about like what my niche was. And I don't need a niche and it's fine, but like I didn't, I didn't really let myself not care about having a niche. Mm -hmm. I didn't really go all the way there. I was not in a hundred percent believe. So the fact that I had to like get my hands really messy and dirty to like, what do I talk about? How do I talk about this? How do I explain this in 500 different ways? Yeah. That was the thing that allowed me to essentially be like, Oh, I know what I'm explaining. I'm explaining how to like love the shit out of the fact that your brain and your body work differently. So it's a difference between like spending forever to try to nail down the perfect thing to say versus I'm willing to say it wrong and messy and be criticized and have it be imperfect and be awkward 500 times to figure out how to say it better. Right. Yeah. Cause you have to do that even to find the bone deep conviction. And then you need to do it a million more times with yes. your group, especially because you're selling it you know, to more people and you're, you're often selling a lot through your copy. Yeah. And oh, you so, totally are. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent sell through copy. That requires a lot of experimentation and like getting really good at explaining things in a million different ways and trying which it only out. comes through experimentation and the willingness to fail over and over and over again, which is yeah. not actually failure, but your brain's going to tell you it's failure. And this is why the garbage post challenge is so brilliant. It's because it like just gets you to like experiment a bunch of times and figure out what works. That's in addition to like getting you past the, you know, I need to show up and be a perfect human thing. But like the experimentation is so crucial. When I say you have to earn like the bone deep conviction, it's not something you figure out overnight because you coach yourself or because you had the right revelation. When I say you have to earn it, I do not mean in a sense of like, you have to be like good enough to earn it. That's not what, what it's about. What we mean is you have to earn it with like your willingness to trust yourself through all of the different iterations, all like 
trust yourself through all the courageous action that you take when you feel uncertain, when you feel afraid, when you feel like you look like an ass, like all these things and let the pile of failures and imperfections pile up in public, right? So that it's like almost like your conviction has to get tested for it to get hardened, for it to deepen. And then what you, I'm like mixing a whole bunch of metaphors, but the, the bone deep conviction you get at the end it's almost like that pearl at the end of that process, you know? One of the metaphors I use a lot in my coaching is like the setting of your life, essentially like, are you playing on hard mode, difficulty mode or a difficult mode? And this reminds me of essentially like when you have a game level and you have a boss fight at the end. Mm -hmm. This is in a lot of ways, like to get good at something in advance to the next level, you have to do the boss fight. And the boss fight is usually harder. It requires you to test your skills. You're probably going to die a bunch of times. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And, but you're so much better when you hit the next level. Cause that's the, that's the thing. Like the boss tests your skill. And if you aren't ready for the next level, you aren't ready for the next level. It doesn't mean anything. It just means like your skills need to develop a little bit more because your skill is built through experimentation and failure over and over and over again. I feel like this was a pretty comprehensive masterclass on how to conceive of and develop and sell a group program successfully with a nonlinear, non-typical brain. What do you think? 100%. The one thing I would add is like, there is no right way to do this. Like your group program can have anything you want in it. And it can, if, as long as it's aligned with your unique genius, the things that you bring to the world, it's going to sell like cakes. Yeah. It could uh, just, it could literally be, Hey, here's a message board. We're going to talk it, in it or it could be coaching calls, you know, a couple times a month that could be, you know, let's meet and draw together. It once could be a month. Any- <laughs> yeah. Or it could be, you know, like if, when you come into joyful marketing, it actually might, mine does have, you know, a very, you know, linear structure. I mean, the way people play with it is very unlin- uh, unlinear, but I have, I have workbooks, I have modules. And again, we're not like anti those things, but it has to serve the energy of your thing. And it's not, and it's never going to be the main thing that's going to sell your program. So for me, that was what was right for me in that container at that time. I mean, it still is. And you know, for the mystery room, it's like, what's right is it's just wide open and we're going to find out together. I would so love, it would just be all my dreams came true. If you, instead of looking to me or another expert for answers, if you went inside, right? And allowed the kimchi inside to marinate and ferment. <laughs> And felt into what would feel joyful for me? What would feel aligned for me? If I'm not sure, you know what? I'm ready to go try a hundred different things and have 97 of them fail so that I can figure it out. Like if you downloaded that, that quality of trust in yourself, that would be all my dreams come true as, as your coach. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Especially because that's, you are going to be so much happier being the steward of this container. If it's something that like brings you joy. Cause it, I, it, a lot of groups are going to go on for a period of time that is longer than, you know, a week. Yeah. Which means like you, you need to love it too. So you, you find- need to love it first and foremost. Yep. Yep, yeah, exactly. And, and you finding something that's aligned with your, 
your playful, brilliant mind is going to be the thing that makes your group program unique. It's going to be the things that attracts people. And it doesn't have to look like anyone else's. It can it can have whatever structure, the most structure, least structure. It doesn't matter as long as it like comes from how you want to show up in the world and and play with it. This is you get to have a lot of fun thinking about how to run a group. It's a something that you can really, really play with. Yeah, it's like infinite creativity. Oh, infinite yeah. creativity. You yeah. can do so many different things. And I'm so excited for all of the like wacky ideas I have. Um, one of the things, for example, that I'm doing because I want to, not because I think it will cause it to sell. It's just me is that everyone who joins before the doors open will get a special badge, which is a hipster sheep. And like, it's hilarious and it makes me laugh. And that's the only reason I'm doing it. So <laughs> because they, they got in the playground before it was cool. So that's like one can- of my favorite things about having a business that's very profitable is that I'm always like, the only reason I'm making this business investment is because I get a kick out of it. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm doing this for my clients because it tickles me the end, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get to have fun like that. that. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that will attract people to you is like, if you do things like that, just, just because that's you. So if you are amazed by Meg's brilliance and want to be one of the early members of Black Sheep Playground, give us a, give us a pitch. Why should, who should come join you? Why should they come join you? They should come join me because it is going to be one of the most subversive groups on the planet for people who have neurodivergent brains. We're going to do things like entirely burn to the ground the idea that there's a right way to live your life or structure your business. In fact, it's a lot of stuff that we've talked about. And you'll get to learn how to thrive and build a business and work in a way that's 100% matched to your unique rhythms, your unique way of being. So rather than having a template for a life that doesn't match yours, you're going to create your template from scratch. And boy, is it a lot of fun when you can do everything 100% aligned with your unique body and brain. Oh man. So good. So good. Okay. You guys, because you're so lucky to know about this program so early on, by the time you listen to this, the program is going to be open. I'm going to leave all the links in the show notes. Meg, a pleasure as always. As always. All right, my friends. Talk to you next time. Bye. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time. 